you are listening to the Hodges Huddle, where we discuss all things happening in the wide world of sports. Here is your KLSU sports team. Welcome in to the Hodges Huddle podcast. I am your host today, Patricia Caputo. Joining me is Raven Freeman and Jaden Smith. How are you both doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing very well. To jump right into it, we will start off talking about LSU's women's basketball team, who is headed to their first Sweet 16 since 2014. Let's start off a little bit about round one, just to give you some backstory on that. LSU did defeat Hawaii 73-50. to Angel Reese helped secure the win as she had 34 points and 15 rebounds, once again having a double-double, along with some help from teammates like Flage Johnson, who scored 10 points, and Ladesia Williams, who finished the night with 9 points and 2 rebounds after playing for 30 three minutes. With that being said, then LSU got to host once again in the PMAC, this time in the second round of the tournament against Michigan. And this is what head coach of Michigan's basketball team had to say about Angel Reese and how difficult it is playing against this LSU team. Uh, LSU is a a really good basketball team um, and they had a great atmosphere here tonight. Um, They play exceptionally well at home. And, uh, you know, we had a chance to go against Angel Reese. Uh, we've, we played against her last year when she was at Maryland, and um, she just had a heck of a game and has really improved as a heck of a ball player. And uh, they were physical and really um, limited our scoring and didn't allow us to get into rhythm. I thought they did a great job. After hearing what Kim Barnes-Arico had to say about this Michigan team, I mean, the first thing that she comes out and says after that game is LSU is a very good team. And, of course, a lot to say about the fans, which is always helpful, something that LSU won't have as they have headed to Greenville already. But let's talk just about Angel Reese. I mean, she's just been such a prominent part of this team all season long. It's just you can't go a game without talking about her because she never has a bad one. Even in the ESPN when she's talking to a reporter at the end of the game saying, oh, I didn't have my best game, and there she has another double-double. It's it's quite amazing what she's able to do. But when you're playing against a team like this, Jaden, and you're at Michigan, who has played against Angel Reese before when she was at Maryland, like their head coach had said in the press conference, what makes it difficult? Like, you have to put so much focus on Angel Reese, and then you have to worry about other players who are just as dominant. Uh, it's just what you said. You just have to put some – I mean, Angel just – she commands so much attention, you know, and she forces you to really commit to guarding her, her and stopping her that – you don't even realize what the rest of the team is doing, you know, and what they're doing to contribute as well. So when you have Angel Reese's game flowing, and even when it's not, when you have everybody else, you know, their shot is falling, everybody's moving without the ball, you know, that just makes them a harder team to beat. I agree with Jaden. These opponents are so worried about Angel Reese concerning her talent. Is she being guarded? Who is she guarding? They tend to forget about all of our other players, such as Johnson, Alexis Morris, because they're so concerned with injuries. But she needs to be stopped and able to win. And that's the problem. The problem is usually stopping Angel Reese. And then sometimes you'll have Alexis Morris out there on the outside. And there's just a lot that you have to cover with this team, which is exactly what Kim Mulkey does. And that's exactly what she wanted to do here. And she's done it fairly quickly in just the two seasons that she's been here at LSU. LSU did defeat Michigan 86-78. to But right right after halftime, rather, this this Michigan team went on a 5-0 run. And... 
it it seemed that you're getting a little nervous if you're an LSU fan. Are they kind of escaping you? Is this going to be kind of like what happened last year against Ohio State where it seemed that Ohio State, they played catch-up a lot and they were almost there, like this team possibly could beat them, and then they just couldn't get it done. Right. Yeah. But another thing about Angel Reese is the leadership that she displays on this team, which was something that the team missed with Alexis Morris's injury last season against Ohio State. If you mm-hmm. remember, she didn't play. She had a knee injury, if I'm not mistaken, and you missed that leadership aspect. Well, this season, of course, with Angel Reese coming in the mix, she was able to rally this team when they did go on, when Michigan did go on that 5-0 run. And this is what she said to her teammate to make sure that they could secure the win and head to the Sweet 16. We've been here before. We were up 17 against Tennessee, and look what happened. So we couldn't get comfortable. I mean, we came out third quarter pretty slow. I think they went on a 5-0 run. So being able to come into that timeout and telling us, stay poised, stay together. We got to address this right now so that it doesn't happen again, like how it happened in SEC. But I think we responded really well. And Raven, we, we had just mentioned it a little bit, but after hearing what Angel Reese had to say, what was most notable is that she said this happened against Tennessee and it was something that they had to rally the troops once again to make sure that they secured that win in the regular season. What does it do to have someone like Angel Reese who's able to to, to just be there and to give some positive feedback and say we're going to win this game? I mean that leadership is very important. It makes the team play as one on the court. Um, This team is very good at giving encouragement and giving tips and tricks on the court and actually applying them, unlike other teams, such as like our LSU men's basketball team, (laughs) when a tip is given, instead of having like an attitude or thinking, oh, I can do better, this women's team is motivated as one and is actually able to listen to their teammates because it's going to come out as a positive effect in the end, and they understand that. Yeah, I agree. I think Angel is just, uh, she's a heck of a leader. You know, I always see her encouraging her teammates, and if it's not that, she's getting on to them a little bit. Mm -hmm. But not even just just besides her leadership, I think just her presence alone, you know, it, it gives you a sense of calmness, you know, mm-hmm. because every time it doesn't matter who they're playing. If the other team goes on like a little run, you know, the first thing I say is where's Angel, you know, mm-hmm. get her right. back in the game. So I think it's just her presence alone that brings this team a bit of uh, calmness, you know, and confidence, you know, and it just helps them play better. Right. And even having someone like Alexis Morris, as much as a leader she is, she has admitted, Coach Mulkey has admitted that Alexis will get in her own head Mm -hmm. and that she'll start overthinking things. And it just seems that Angel Reese is always there. And then the media is always asking, what did you say to Alexis Morris? Because it looked like you were (laughs) screaming at her. She says, no, I'm telling her to get out of her own head that we're fine, that we're okay. And that's exactly why Angel Reese is there. And she helps so many, the veterans on the team, the younger players on the team. And it just makes it all gel and makes it all work. And that is exactly why they're headed to the Sweet 16. But the biggest thing is that you have to stay level-headed. For the most part, nobody has been to the Sweet 16 on this team. And now they're going on. They're playing Utah. Kim Mulkey has a chance to make history. You know what she's done at Baylor. Mm -hmm. Three-time champion. There's a lot of pressure riding on this squad. They will play on Friday at 4 p.m. against Utah. How do you stay level-headed, Jaden? How do you make sure that you can rally this team and allow them to remain calm? If they were going to get the big head, it would have been, you know, sometime in between before they played South Carolina. And I feel like if they hadn't gotten the big head when their undefeated streak was on the line, I don't think they'll get the big head now, especially now that they know it's win or go home. And that's why the SEC tournament, like you had said, Jaden, was such a big debate about does it matter, is it important? And I think it was important for that team. I, I do think if they took it a little bit more seriously, maybe yeah. they could have beaten Tennessee. And it just seems that their goal was to win one SEC game, which they couldn't do last year. And then it was, okay, it was almost like they said time for the playoffs, which reasonably so. You don't want to get hurt. There's still a lot of pressure. Their seeding was likely not going to change. 
So I, I definitely agree with you there. It is, it's something that this team is going to have to consider because it's the big stage now. There's so much talk about LSU and South Carolina, two right. SEC schools. Mm-hmm. And I, I say it all the time in sports, like you're just going to have to wait and see. How is the team going to respond? Everything, all the j- time that they've put in the gym, all the time they've put in the weight room, how is it going to pay off when they go travel now? They don't have their fan base yeah. at the Sweet 16. But if you do listen to our Sunday show, you'll you'll hear what Angel Reese did have to say about the fans and just the support and how she does expect them to travel this Friday for uh, the Sweet 16. <laughs> Should be quite exciting. Moving on, let's talk about another dominant team for LSU is the baseball team. They defeated Central Arkansas in a midweek game. We had Tyler Viso on two weeks ago, the former sports director. Midweek games do matter only when LSU wins, and that's exactly what they did <laughs> as they won 10-4 to to go to 19-2 and on the season. But Central Arkansas really made a run in the top of the fourth inning. They ended up tying the game 4-4, to and all of that was broken up right after Jordan Thompson hit a three-run home run in the, bo- in the, top of the, the bottom of the fifth, rather. Uh, to really just take this game away for LSU. And then Central Arkansas didn't score another run the entire game. LSU took it away, as I had said, with 10 runs on the night. Now, if you look at Jordan Thompson's statistics, uh, you'd be like, okay, he's batting 279 on the season. Mm -hmm. Not the best. Mm -hmm. To be honest, he's the worst right now, except Stevenson, who typically doesn't play all the time. But like Jordan Thompson is in this rotation nearly every game, and right now he is the worst batting average. But Jay Johnson has stuck with him through and through, and most of it is because of moments like this. When you're tied and someone like Jordan Thompson, who that pitcher probably thinks he's the lowest batting average on the team, and I can probably get him to strike out, I can send him back to the dugout and call it a day, and then he goes out there and he hits a three-run home run. I mean, how helpful is it to have someone like Jordan Thompson, Jaden, just to come in there and to come and clutch when it matters? Uh, I think that's extremely helpful because that's just one – one more player that you know you can rely on and you can depend on and you know some players they just they just perform better under pressure you know it brings out the best in them so I think it's a great deal of help right I feel like he's very good under pressure the team hasn't of course struggled with losing or close games this season but he's the guy you put in when you need a home run or a star play yeah Mm -hmm. and that seems just to be a huge problem for this team which is a good problem is actually having Players who are so good sit on the bench. Mm-hmm. You have a pitcher like Griffin Herring who finally got in the game. He played 2.1 innings, had a walk, let a hit, and then had three strikeouts. And then even catcher Alex Malazzo, where Jay Johnson was like, we have to get him in there. He's just yeah. too good to be sitting on the bench. Mm-hmm. But it seems like a very good problem to have because this team didn't have that last season. It yes. was, we're going out there, we have fielding issues, we have issues on the mound, and we're trying our best. Like, we're, we're scraping to find a guy to play on Sunday because we don't have anyone in the bullpen, and we don't have a shortstop who can't not make mistakes. Like, Jordan Thompson, that was a big thing last year, just the fielding issues. Like, they just didn't have that. And especially once third baseman Jacob Berry got hurt, that was also another thing that they had to worry about because they didn't right. have a third baseman to come in to really fill the shoes. And Jay Johnson has fixed all of that this season. But you also have to talk about the team. And I don't know if they'll have a problem with this, but it is a problem that some teams do have where Mm -hmm. guys are saying, hey, I deserve that playing time, and I'm just as good as someone else. And, Raven, if you're talking about this team, like those two names, like Herring and Malazzo, isn't this a good problem to have that there's players who are sitting on the bench who in most other teams would be a starter? Yes. I mean, in sports like baseball and even basketball, being a player on the bench doesn't mean they're any less talented than, like, the starters concerning like the success of the team. If anything, it's an advantage because a talented player that 
rides the bench. I mean, they're rested and they're ready whenever you need them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It kind of reminds me of uh, 2015 Kentucky's men basketball team. I mean, they were so good. They had Devin Booker coming off the bench. <laughs> you know, he was a lottery pick. So that's definitely uh, a good problem to have. But, you know, you definitely want to monitor everybody's, you know, emotions and feelings because players, you know, they will – some players get a little jealous. Not, right. e- not even just jealous, but they just want more for themselves. You know, mm-hmm. Anything can happen from that. But that's definitely a good mm-hmm. problem to have if you're an LSU fan. And that's why you are likely to see that players are probably going to enter the transfer portal. There's a long season ahead, not trying to rush anything. Right. But that happened last season where Jay Johnson is a very honest coach. And you know there were talks that he was going to go out there and tell some players, hey, I would find another school. Just you belong somewhere else. You'll be happier somewhere else. But mm-hmm. that that's what makes him so great is that there are players who said, I know I'm going to have to fight for my spot, like Alex Malazzo and multiple other pitchers. I know I'm going to have to maybe come yes. out of the bullpen and not be a Friday night, Saturday, or Sunday night starter. But I'm going to fight for my position. I'm going to get the playing time, and I'm going to go out there, and I'm going to wear an LSU jersey and help this team win meaningful games. And speaking of meaningful games, LSU will play its first round of SEC games in – their home stadium this mm-hmm. weekend at Alex Box Stadium. Originally, the Friday game was scheduled for 7 p.m., but it has been moved to 12 because some weather that's happening in Baton Rouge and some Saturday and Sunday games against Arkansas may also be rescheduled due to some weather, but that's all pending on what this beautiful Baton Rouge weather loves to do. <laughs> you know, it'll be 80 degrees, and then it will be pouring 40. rain Yeah, it was 30 degrees later. the other morning when I came to do my update. It was 30 it, degrees? It was 30 degrees, and the next day it was like 75. 70, yeah. I, I've been there, for being honest, when we do our updates in the morning. I've left in my winter coat, and yeah. then by 9 o'clock I have class, and everyone's looking at me like, why are you wearing a winter <laughs> coat? And I'm like, I'm sorry, I had to leave at 7 o'clock, and it was very cold. <laughs> but moving on, just wanted to point that out, that there might be some changes with the LSU baseball scheduling this weekend. And let's talk about LSU softball now. Once again, another very dominant team. LSU sports is thriving right now. It's nice to say that LSU men's basketball is the only thing you can really <laughs> complain about, like we had mentioned before. <laughs> so <But> sad. <laughs> <laughs> just give them some time, just a few years, right? We'll talk yeah, about that. a few them. years. Oh my God, we won't yeah. even be here anymore when they're good. We'll see. Look, you never. we said the same thing about LSU football and that we thought that they might need two to three years, maybe even four, and then they went to an SEC championship. So, again, like, wait and see. It's kind of just the key line in sports. Anything can happen. You know, just one more diamond in the rough, and all of a sudden you have a good team. Like, you have the next John Morant, maybe. We need a John Morant (laughs) fast. I was literally just thinking that. (laughs) Anyway, moving on, LSU softball team did move to 24-5 and on the year as they played against McNeese State. And speaking of McNeese, dominant baseball team, they tied the game 2-2 two to two in the top of the fourth. This was not an easy win for LSU. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then by the bottom of the fourth, LSU really took it away. Again, there's a lot of similarities here with this LSU baseball team and softball team. Uh, they took a 6-2 to two lead, to be exact. And that, again, closed out the game. Nobody scored after that. And just how helpful is it? You have so many dominant offensive power weapons that's able to help secure wins for this team. I mean... Again, how helpful is that just to be able to close out a game when you are in a tight game like this one, Jaden? That's extremely helpful. Like, I really just can't overemphasize that enough. Like, having a deep team, like, it's like a sense of relief. You know, you you never really run out of options. You never really panic too much because there's always somebody that can Mm -hmm. make a play for you. So, yeah, I can't even stress that enough how much help that is. I mean, yeah, the confidence that, okay, we have a dominant offense means that, like, okay, we can almost be sure that 
they will score. Yeah. The team will score a couple home runs or points going up and able to gain the lead back yeah. in close games like this one. And that's exactly what happened with this team. I mean, once again, you had Danica Coffey, who went three for four. And then you also had Michaela Walker, who's just a freshman, who is batting 250 on the year, but really came in clutch. And she was able to hit that base hit and was able to help that team secure that 6-2 to two win. And mm-hmm. again, this was a rare midweek game. A lot of the times in softball, they're playing nearly four or five games in a weekend, and they don't really have time for these midweek games. Yeah. And they were able to fit it in, despite their busy SEC scheduling. That's Real, that's going on right now. This weekend, they will face off against Ole Miss. And pitcher Raylan Chafin was a huge part of that as she pitched all seven innings against McNeese. She came into the game with a four ERA, not something that you love to see with a pitcher. But it was, like you said, Jaden, with that sense of relief offensively, this mm-hmm. is almost a sense of relief on the mound that like you're able to have a pitcher who can come in and who can just pitch all seven innings and you don't have to take anyone from your bullpen and then you can save them against Ole Miss this Friday, Saturday, and right. Sunday. And then, I mean, just you can talk more about that, Jane, on just how helpful it is to have an arm like that. Yeah, again, like this team is just, they're loaded, stacked, deep, however you want to put it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just have so much talent surrounded with them, you know. They're never really just out of it, you know. So this is a team that you can put up with anybody just because of the depth on the roster that they have, you know. And they can go there with anyone. Mm-hmm. And Chafin pitched seven innings, like I had mentioned, allowed five hits, two runs, and two strikeouts on the day. And then, like I had said before, LSU will take on Ole Miss this weekend in a Friday, Saturday, Sunday tournament, which is probably nice for them because usually they're playing multiple games, like we had said. So this is more like a little break. more like baseball where you're just, yeah. okay, one game each, each day. day. Yeah. And then I just wanted to say, if y'all didn't know, that baseball is back. Like everyone's saying, I know y'all aren't big baseball fans, but like everyone's saying baseball is boring, baseball <laughs> dying, they're lying, okay? Because if you watch the World Baseball Classic, yeah. you would know, trust me, it's not dying, okay? It's very much alive. And that's exactly what the World Baseball Classic was happened because in right. 2006 they said let's bring more attention to baseball and I mean you had like <laughs> people from the Czech Republic who are electricians and plumbers were able to form a baseball <laughs> team like no I'm, yeah. I'm being serious like that's what makes sports so amazing that yeah. people who have this dream were able to play and were able to make a run yeah. and ultimately it was Japan and it was the USA and if you're a baseball fan you sincerely could not have just imagined anything better yeah. like they say baseball is so romantic and this was almost like a field of dreams 2023 yeah. type moment and we'll get to it in a second but before we talk about that the u.s did lose they were defeated by japan three to two mm-hmm. and it was really cool to see because you had shohei otani playing against mike trout you had you darvish on the other side jonah i'm not sure why you're putting your thumbs down oh he, how could you not like shohei otani uh, he says, see, Jonah says he's an Astros fan, but you got to respect. I think he might be the best baseball player ever. And what? Really? Ever. Because ever? Ever. Ever. Ever is. Ever. And I say that because he is, is Babe Ruth, but That's better. That's wild. He is Babe Ruth, but I'm not saying just because the World Baseball Classic. Uh-huh. I'm saying because Babe Ruth has pitched. Pitched and hit for two years. Mm-hmm. Shohei Otani has already done it for three, and it doesn't look like he's stopping anytime soon. And I mean, he doesn't do it like, oh, like he can be a pitcher, he can hit. Like, no, he does both, and he's so dominant why he does it. And yeah. I mean, it's just something that you don't see that in baseball. You don't see someone play two positions <laughs> like that and go out and do it so well. Like, when I went to the Yankees, a Yankees game this summer, and yeah. It's the bottom, I think it was the top of the ninth. The Yankees had the lead, but it's like you fear Shohei Otani, and it was Shohei and then Mike Trout, and it's like, okay, you have to get Shohei out because he's coming up to bat after he had just pitched 
there, it was a doubleheader. He had just pitched the game before that. And then he came in and he wow. was in the batting lineup. And you're like, this guy's going to hit a home run and yeah. it's going to tie the game. And then Mike Trout's going to come up. And he's like, you're you're fearful. And to fear someone like that, it's just he's just an amazing talent and something to yeah. watch. But we that we'll save that for another podcast. I just wanted yeah. to. <laughs> De- well, yeah, but people say that about Bo Jackson. If you didn't hear, Jonah said that. Dion is the best athlete, or people are saying that he's the best at all time. Because, yeah, he yeah, did. Yeah, he might be, yeah. That's why he's one of the best. That's why people say that Bo Jackson is the best, because he could play baseball and play football at a high level, something that no one's been able to do. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, to like people have been comparing Shohei Otani to Babe Ruth since he came in the league. And everyone was like, oh, that seems a little crazy. Like, are you really going to compare yeah. it to Babe Ruth? But, yeah, he's better than Babe Ruth. And that's, that's okay, like, that, statistically wow. speaking, he is. And he's already done what Babe Ruth did longer, like in a longer period of time. Yeah. And that's why it's like, when I, yeah, I feel like that's not a huge hot take because he's proven it statistically speaking. And I mean, like Babe Ruth didn't even have a World Baseball Classic and now he's a World Baseball <laughs> Classic champion. <laughs> <laughs> I, and like not to mention, he also plays for a team that is not very good. Like the Angels have two of the best players to ever play baseball in Mike Trout yeah. and Shohei Otani, and they can't win games. Right. But so I mean that does say a lot. Like if he actually goes on a winning team, what can he do? But anyway, let's move on. Shohei Otani for the World Baseball Classic is warming up on the mound in the ninth inning, and you're like, see, this is why this guy is so amazing because Japan has not lost a game in the World Baseball Classic yet, and now he's going to go out there and he's probably going to close out the game because you just know how good he is, and you hope that you know, the USA can stand a chance. And you're like, you're looking at the names. You say, okay, maybe they can. And they have Jeff O'Neill and Shohei Otani walks him. And you're like, oh, this is Shohei's downfall. I was like, maybe those Babe Ruth rumors are a little too far-fetched right now, right? (laughs) But then they have Jeff O'Neill. He has a pinch runner in, all that. Mookie Betts comes out to bat. One of the best players in baseball, of course, once again. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, he can go up there. And what is he going to do? And I talk about my uncle after this. I was kind of just watching. There's no outs right now. There's a runner on first. Like, okay, come on, Mookie. Like, do something, right? Like, just don't get a double play for two outs. And that's exactly what Mookie does. He kind of hits a ground ball, and it's a double play for two outs. And my uncle was texting me about it that does Mookie bunt there? Because you're hoping that you get that sacrifice bunt. And after really, like, reading up on it and processing the whole USA loss, and I'll get to that why it was even harder for me in a second, um, is because... I was like, yeah, Mookie should have bunted because right. the worst case scenario is they throw it to first or even they, they throw it to second. You know, it's a fielder's choice. Yeah. And then the likelihood of getting a double play for Japan is is almost out of the question. Right. Like you decrease the likelihood dramatically if Mookie Betts just bunts there. So yeah. what are your thoughts on that, Jane? And we'll start with you. Yeah, should he I have com- bunted? I completely agree. He should have bunted. I mean, giving them two outs, that just made the game so much easier for them to win. You know, he almost gift wrapped it for him. <laughs> so, yeah, he definitely should have bunted. That's it's not even really a hot take to me. Yeah, I mean, my uncle was like, I understand both sides of it, and I do, because you're hoping that Mookie can go out there and can at least like hit some, maybe a fly ball, and then, you know, yeah. just something happens where it is just one out. And that's, of course, not what you get. But in terms like that, again, you're going up against one of the greatest pitchers to ever play in Major League Baseball, and he's playing for Japan, like for you. You know, this is like World Baseball yeah. Classic. <laughs> Japan could win like their third World Baseball Classic which, of course, they did, like we had mentioned, their first one since 2009. They won the first ever one in 2006. Like, come on, do something. And I think Mookie really should have bunted there. And, like, again, I get it. I, I understand the circumstances and what you're hoping. But, once again, it's Shohei Otani. Like, come on. like, yeah. And then you have all of this buildup, which was, 
I think like that when that Shohei documentary comes out in ten yeah. years, like you know it's gonna happen. Okay, it was gonna. <laughs> That's happen gonna be no the introduction what. for it. Like I, I mean, know. I was even talking to my mom. Like he does not speak English. He needs mm-hmm. a translator. Just like think about how crazy it is. Like going to a different country, playing baseball, being like revered, and everyone being like he's amazing, and like you can't really even understand what really people are saying. saying. Like yeah. that's already a challenge in itself. And now you're going out there, you're showing your skills off, and then now you're in the position to play for your country mm-hmm. against your teammate in the MLB with two outs. Like Japan yeah. has the opportunity to win. They're leading 3-2. It's the bottom of the ninth. And Mike Trout is coming up to bat, who is arguably like one of the greatest baseball players right now. Right now, Jonah. Right not of all time. But right now. From Vineland, New Jersey, just so you know. Mike Trout easily is one of all time. Okay, fine. Jonah's yeah, saying yeah, yeah. of all time. That's what like I'm saying. Like, like those two are two of the greatest baseball players to ever play. And they're mm-hmm. on the same team. And they go up against each other in batting practice almost every day. Mm-hmm. And now they're playing in like most like, like I think it was a mo- more viewed than the Super Bowl. I mean, wow. it, it really yeah, I'm just, sure it, was, yeah. it really brought everyone together. And seriously, like Japan was like all over. I mean, of course, they were like on top of the world, had the possibility to come on top of the world, the, the World Baseball Classic again. And of course, you know, they always say like baseball originated in America. It's the American pastime and all of that. But, I mean, it seriously was crazy because Shohei throws the fastball mm-hmm. and, you know, it's now there's there's two strikes and Mike Trout comes up or he's he's still up, right? And all of a sudden it's like, what are you going to do? Are you going to throw the fastball again? Like, is Mike Trout really going to fall for that? And he does. And, and he, Shohei Otani throws that fastball and Mike Trout swings and he misses and he ends the game. And, I mean, like, I really mean it's going to be in the documentary yeah. from so many years. And then they're going to flash to Mike Trout, and Mike Trout's going to talk about how, like, you can't even be mad in a moment <laughs> like that. Like, it's just so – it's something that every baseball fan had wished for. And I'll let you all speak on that. Like, Raven, do you have anything to say about that moment and what it means for the game of baseball? I mean, us being from the U.S., we know how popular and loved baseball is. And the fact that Japan was able to take home this third win, you know, this was – the Classic was – viewed more than the Super Bowl. I mean, that's huge. Like you said before, people might think that baseball is dying, yeah, 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 but it is very much alive and is going to continue to thrive. And I don't know, being from the U.S., you would think, I mean, I'm not saying I was going for either team, but Japan winning, it was kind of like a heart. It was a good game. Yeah, I mean, it was. Yeah, it's like, it's like the epitome of a storybook ending. Like, it almost, <laughs> yeah. it, this like, definitely, really this mad? just seems like. <laughs> no. Yeah. It just seems way too good to be just scripted. to be natural. Like, mm-hmm. that that had to be scripted. But, <laughs> like, I think it was just an amazing ending, not only just for the countries, you know, in itself, but just, you know, teammate against teammate, all-time player against all-time player, two outs, and it's just your best against my best. So mm-hmm. I think this just means a lot for baseball, you know, even for somebody that doesn't watch it a lot, you know. I can see why somebody would see something like that and say, man, I want to watch baseball now. That's something that people yeah. will forever talk about. Oh, exactly. I feel like if you're a little kid, that's how you fall in love with baseball. Yeah. And you have a bunch of people saying, like, wait, two teammates playing up against each other? That doesn't make sense, right? But then when you really get into it, you say, this is exactly why they created the Baseball World Classic. Yeah. So that you can go out there and you can play for your country and you can win a trophy. And then you can go back to your teammate if you play in the MLB and <laughs> yeah. be like, oh, hey, by the way, I beat you. And again, <laughs> like what you said, Jaden, 
Now, I know that was a rumor going around the NFL, like, oh, it's all a story and it's all lined yeah. up and it's all fake. But, like, yeah. almost something like that, like, for Shohei to warm up in the ninth and for Mike Trout to be batting third and then for him to strike out. Of course, if you're the USA, you were you wanted, like, Mike Trout to go out there and hit a home run. And I was like, he's going to be a New Jersey hero and he's going to do just that. And that's not how it went. But yeah. like you said, Raven, you can't even be mad. It's like, right. yeah. it was just such a beautiful moment. And then just to see the tears of Shohei Otani. And I believe he even said it. He wrote something when he was in high school and it was like age 28 he wanted to win a world baseball classic i think he might have been 27 and now he's 28 and he did just that and it's just to see someone achieve those goals it's quite impressive and like we were talking about the viewership they had 4.48 million viewers on fox sports and then 4.97 million viewers um, on fox deportes but i'm not sure what it was in japan so that means that there are even more viewers out there Uh, because, of course, Japan was very loyal to their baseball team as well as they were able to take home the trophy. But it was just something worth me- excuse, excuse me, sorry. It was something worth mentioning yeah. as it's just like, again, documentary worthy. I can't wait to show it to my kids and yeah. just have the chills. Like, look, like the, yeah. I really got to watch this and this happened. That might be in a commercial. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I'm, seriously. I'm quite sure it will, actually. Yes. Like a Disney World commercial? Yes, it's like yeah, everyone so. like talked about Michael Jordan and the impact that yeah. he had on like basketball and how he really spread it to not yeah. just America, but everywhere. This is exactly what a moment like that does, yeah. where you just have two of the best baseball players to ever play go out against each other and Shohei ultimately win and prove why I think he really is one of the greatest baseball players of all time, if not the greatest. But that is all we have for you today. Thank you, Raven Freeman, Jaden Smith, for joining me. I'd also like to thank Jonah Webster, our podcast producer, who always gives helpful insight and (laughs) might not agree with us all the time about Shohei being the best of all time, but he does help us a lot here and help us edit together all of our wonderful podcasts. I am Patricia Caputo, and this has been The Hodges Huddle.